Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. They say if you like sausage, don't go to the sausage factory. Well, today we're going to the legislative sausage factory, also known as Capitol Hill, and finding out how Congress will fund the government months before an election and amid a global pandemic. Hello and welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So it would be an understatement to say that so far, this has been a pretty rough year. You know what would make it even worse? A government shutdown. Don't laugh. It could actually happen as early as October 1st when the federal government's current fiscal year ends. Both chambers of Congress and both political parties within those chambers want to avoid this. And there's been a lot of action on federal spending bills in recent weeks, especially in the House. Kelly Lunny covers environmental issues on Capitol Hill for Bloomberg Law, and she says that House bills authored by Democrats would infuse a tremendous amount of cash into the EPA and to other environmental agencies. They would also block a number of the Trump administration's policy initiatives, like opening up the Atlantic for offshore oil drilling. But when Kelly spoke to us this week, she said it's pretty unlikely that the October 1st deadline will actually hold. Well, the short answer is... I think we will have a funded government by October 1st, but it will probably be a continuing resolution, which means that the funding that agencies had will just carry over until um, the two the two chambers can come to an agreement. And part of that is because of the pandemic um, delaying and sort of upending the appropriations process. Um, Having said that, in non-pandemic years, this this often happens. Um, the two houses uh, can't necessarily reconcile their versions of spending bills for agencies, so they tend to sort of um, do what they can individually, and then once it gets close to September 30th, they kind of say, okay, well, we're just going to kind of go forward with what we've got, the continuing resolution. Move, moving the goalposts, I guess. Um, so we're going to get to what um, what could happen, uh, you know, in November, in December, maybe beyond. But let's talk about what's happening now. The House is still working on some of these bills that would fund the EPA and the Department of Interior. What's in these bills that have been moving so far and what would the funding levels be? So, as you mentioned, the House has been working on that. Um, they The full appropriations committee advanced that bill um, earlier I guess, wait, today is Tuesday. I'm losing track of my days. Yeah. They did that on Friday. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? <laughs> they did that on Friday. So I, is, are we, I'm assuming because the, you know, this is a House bill and the Democrats control the House that the EPA would, 
probably be seeing a lot uh, more funding than it has in previous years, right? Absolutely. So EPA is um, under this bill would get 9.38, I think, billion with a B, which is really a near record level of funding for the agency. Um, It's about 2 billion more than what um, the administration wanted for the agency. Wow. Because I remember covering a couple appropriations bills a few years ago, and they were around like, seven-ish billion, uh, you know, who's counting, you know, a couple couple million here, a couple million there. Now, of course, that, you know, what the actual number will be, it will probably be far off from that. But that's a that's a really good sign of like how much Democrats value the EPA and how much they, how many resources they want to devote toward that. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the Interior Department gets a funding boost as well. It's certainly not as significant um, as what we're going to, is what they included for the EPA. But, you know, the Democrats have expressed that, um, particularly in this time of the pandemic and um, the sort of higher profile that environmental justice issues have been getting, um, the connections between pollution and climate change and um, communities, disadvantaged communities, they're really um, trying to reflect those priorities in some of these larger um, spending levels that they've proposed. Now, I also want to talk about riders because these bills, uh, you know, don't just uh, contain money for agencies. A lot of times they also feature these policy riders or amendments where, you know, because these bills fund the federal government, they have to pass or else there's a, a government shutdown lawmakers like to attach these little uh, provisions onto the bills, and they can be pretty significant. Uh, are there any really notable riders this year that that would affect the environment? So there's a couple in there. Um, some of them are, are sort of uh, repeat performances. There's one that would block offshore drilling um, in in areas off the, off the Atlantic and Pacific coast that are currently off limits to offshore drilling. Uh, you know, the Trump administration has expressed support for increasing um, offshore drilling. And that's something that many Democrats and a lot of Republicans, especially from those states oppose. Sure. So that's that's in the bill. Um, there's language in there that would, would bar any funds from being used to develop and do mining in what's known as uh, the Boundary Waters area, which is up in Minnesota. And th- that's sort of notable because um, there's been a lot of talk, particularly during the pandemic, about the United States being too reliant on other countries for critical minerals. That's an area that um, is sort of critical mineral rich, um, but it's also one of, um, you know, the most the country's most beautiful and pristine sort of natural sure. watersheds. And there's a lot of support for protecting that area. And the Appropriations Subcommittee um, Chairwoman for Interior is is Betty McCollum, who is from Minnesota. So that's in there. Um, and, you know, Kind of stuff that you would typically expect from um, Democrats, and probably just pre- preventing the Trump administration from doing a lot of what they want, what he wants to do. So let's talk about the Senate. Um, you know, I think they, based on my previous experience, they typically wait for the House to act, and then they, you know, take what the House sends them, and they do their own thing. But what's going on this year? Is, is the Senate moving forward with its own funding bills? So typically, the the two chambers do their own work on their own versions of the appropriations bills throughout the appropriations process. You know, they, they tend to sort of do their own thing, and then they co- sort of come together at the end to, to, to go forward with one or the other. Um, this year, obviously, has been a little different because of the remote 
work and the um, accelerated schedule because they've been out so much due to the pandemic, the House has um, really sort of put the pedal to to the metal um, in terms of trying to get their appropriate spending bills done. Um, the Senate, however, ha- is way far behind at this point. They haven't marked up any of their spending bills. Um, part of that is because typically the Senate is a little slower. Um, but they've been having um, some disagreements over Democrats potentially wanting to add language to some of these spending bills that um, relate to policing reform um, and and other in, in the pandemic. And Republicans have wanted to keep those spending bills clean of any sort of potentially divisive language related to those issues. And that happens a lot where, you you know, you have issues that have nothing to do with the environment that get added onto these appropriations bills. And then they, you know, one chamber or another can't pass the the funding bill for the EPA because of something totally unrelated. Yes. And, you know, members of both parties in both chambers, um, particularly in the Senate, have tried in the last couple of years to really keep those bills clean of those types of language for the for the reason that you articulated, which is it weighs it down. It, you know, these bills have to pass. And the the more you add to it, the heavier it becomes, and then it just collapses under its own weight, and then you've got a government shutdown, which is, you know, another disaster. So we're going to take a quick break here, but when we come back, we'll talk about why, even though the bill would give the EPA a ton of money, the EPA itself is calling on the president to veto. Stay tuned. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Welcome back. We're talking with Bloomberg Law's Kelly Lunny about how and whether Congress will fund the federal government's environmental agencies for the coming fiscal year. Lunny says the EPA has inserted itself into this debate this year in an unusual way. This was sort of unusual, but EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler came out with a statement um, last week that basically said he would recommend that President Trump veto the interior EPA spending bill if it were to reach him. Now, if is in all caps there. Sure, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's probably unlikely that that version um, gets to President Trump. There'd have to be some negotiations between Pelosi and McConnell, and it would, it, by the time it got to the president's desk, it would wind up being very different. Exactly. So, um, you know, there's things in there they don't like. I don't think they're thrilled with the um, the increased funding levels for certain programs. Like what? Well, they've created a separate, this is sort of separate from the EPA's budget, but it's still part of that entire bill. They've created this 15 billion, again, with a B, 
emergency sort of supplemental critical infrastructure um, program that would sort of be divvied up among the EPA and two of the um, Indian affairs um, agencies. Mm -hmm. It's extra money that the Democrats want to give those agencies to tackle any sort of infrastructure issues that have um, become that have worsened because of the pandemic. Fifteen billion dollars. Whoa. And obviously, you know, Republicans on the committee were not happy with the inclusion of that. Um, Democrats argue it's necessary. The problem with that is that, you know, they, they want to put $10 billion into the drinking water safe and clean water um, revolving state funds. Um, it's a lot. It's a huge cash infusion for that. Yeah. And these these are funds where they're always really big. But I mean, that would be taking big to a whole other level. But these these are federal funds that go toward giving water utilities really low cost uh, loans to fix up like pipes and water filtration systems and, and things like that. So it sounds like the uh, the administration and the head of the EPA, Andrew Wheeler, is saying we don't want this money. We don't need it. And we have trouble spending it. Is that is that more or less what he's saying? Well, it's not it's not really that. It's just that they don't like where the funds are sort of being targeted. Got it. I see. The other issue they have is with a separate water infrastructure loan program, not not the one that we've just been discussing, but there there aren't any new funds for for this water infrastructure program. It calls for a rescission of funds from the last couple of fiscal years. Oh, because they haven't spent it yet. They haven't spent it yet. So they're saying, we're not going to give you any new money until you spend this. Um, but a lot of the associations that represent these entities that get these loans are saying, this is really going to hurt you know these players that need the money. Um, they're going to have to reapply if they're not getting, you know, they're going to have to reapply essentially for money they've already received on projects if, you know, they're not going forward. So they're sort of playing a little bit of a political game with that program. And the administration isn't happy about that because they like that program. And it is a bipartisan program that helps, you know, give some of these low cost loans to these to these players. So that's going to be an issue, too. And that was specifically mentioned by Wheeler and in the veto threat so got it okay well the last thing i wanted to talk to you about and this is we kind of alluded to this before but let's talk about timing because you mentioned there's probably no way that the the um that congress and the administration are going to come together to pass something before the end of the fiscal year which is uh, you know the new fiscal year starts on october 1st that's not happening so it sounds like you think this is gonna go past the election in uh, in November, is that right? Yeah, I think that's probably a safe bet. Um, you know, the House will get probably all of their spending bills done before um, September thirtieth. Um, they're really they're on track to do that. The Senate again hasn't do, you know they've done behind the scenes work, but they haven't done any sort of public markup of bills, and they haven't got sort of officially started that process for the for the public well so this is where it gets weird because if the the appropriations and federal funding goes past the election we're going to know who the next president will be and we're going to know who will control the next congress by the time this is still being hashed out so the the incentives there get really weird like let's let's say theoretically democrats take back the senate and joe biden wins the white house and they hold on to the house in that situation do would Democrats have an incentive to just push this back into next year and into when you know the 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 we have the new president and the new Congress, or would they really want to cut a deal with Republicans before then 
I don't know. I don't know how. It's like a game theory. I don't know how that would work. What do you think? Well, I don't think there's much interest in cutting a deal with Republicans. (laughs) But I think, you know, that's probably in the calculus right now. They're thinking, you know, if we just sort of do a continuing resolution um, in September, say from September to November, then we see who wins and maybe we do another continuing to January. Um, you know, that could buy them some more time to sort of like get the funding levels that they want in both chambers for these agencies. But it's a, it's, it's risky too. Well, see, speaking of that, I mean, it's, it's also risky because what if the president wins re-election and what if the Senate or the Republicans hold on to the Senate and who knows, maybe even take back the House? At that point, what would happen during the lame duck session there? Would you think, I mean, Democrats would must have to be scrambling in that situation to strike a deal with Republicans before the next Congress takes takes office, right? Yeah, I mean, that's true. If, you know, it's it's all Republican, then they sort of lose their the leverage they have, which at this point, the leverage they have is that they control the House. Their bills reflect um, the the funding levels that they're prioritizing for these agencies. If they lose the House, then they lose that leverage. It's risky. I mean, I think that, you know, it's it's highly probable that we will see a continuing resolution um, for September 30th. Whether that takes us through the election or whether that takes us to the end of the year, hard to say. So in other words, the, uh, the bottom line is what I'm hearing from you is that Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's are going to be uh, very busy in Congress dealing with this issue, sounds like. I think that's right. That's it for today's Pars Per Billion. If you want more of our coverage of Capitol Hill, check out our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergenvironment.com. Today's episode of Pars Per Billion was produced by myself and Josh Block with help from Anna Yukonanov. Parts for Billing was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. The music for today's episode is A Message by Jazar and Thug by Brian Lawrence Bennett. They were used under a Creative Commons license. Thanks for listening, everyone. Office-based startup WeWork has officially postponed a plan to go public. WeWork is having trouble finding investor demand at one-third of the $47 billion price tag. The real concern is Adam Newman, the CEO. Everything is on him. His performance will determine this. What went wrong? We'll take you inside the company with interviews from people who helped build WeWork and exclusive tapes of internal meetings where Adam talks to his employees in ways he'd never speak in public. None of us want to look back and say, I could have done more. This could have been bigger. This could have been better. That's not acceptable. You do not get a chance like this again. None of us do. This is a new podcast from Bloomberg Technology called Foundering. Check us out. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, 
and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.